Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Yes, it's another Saturday and another Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. With no lawyers. With no lawyers. Howdy, everybody. Here, here. Harry Alexander with you and Bunker de France on the yep. other side of the table. Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Hello. There you are. Oh, who's and, this other guy And our here? special guest is a colleague of mine, Charles Heller, mm. who does... You're still doing Swap Shop, yeah? Swap Shop, Liberty Watch, America Free, Armed and Free, and now America's Fabric. There you go. All day Sunday. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah I kind of I dominate the market. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It needs domination. Well, you know, I, yeah, back from my, uh, from, my dominate, from my dominatrix days. Yes. <laughs> well, you know. Well, but they, we're not going to talk. Today you dominate Sunday. Tomorrow <clears throat> the world is yeah. pinky and blinky. Uh, uh, well, no, the I'm, reason reason I asked Charles to come in <clears throat> is because... Uh, tomorrow, yeah, the fourteenth, the fourteenth of Feb, is uh, Statehood Day, oh. and Charles is. Uh, what state would that be? That would be this state, the state of confusion. <laughs> um, Char- Charles is a. Uh, I'd say speak for yourself, but you were. Yeah, he was. Yes, <laughs> um, he knows something about constitutions, and uh, he's going to enlighten us about the Arizona Constitution. Or in Darken, you know. Or in Darken. No, no, no. No, we're going to get to it in just Are a moment. Are you familiar with this? Arizona Constitution and government. Not that particular pamphlet, no, yeah. but with the Constitution, yes. What we're going to do here is talk about the pathway to statehood for Arizona, hmm. which was not that good. Um, in fact, uh, Nobody really wanted Arizona to become a state. Mm-hmm. And, they rejected it the first time. Uh, yeah, uh, first At least time New twice. Mexico beat them in. Yeah. New Mexico beat them in, and and I'm and so New forth Mexico. and so forth. Um, <laughs> so you know this this all goes back to oh around the time of the Civil War. Uh, there was the New Mexico Territory, not the Arizona Territory. As much as Joe disputes, I know, that. I know, mm-hmm. and everything was uh, run from Santa Fe. Um, I mean, just. It's fact. That's how it was. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, after Lincoln uh, signed the proclamation setting up the Arizona Territory, well, then we're in civil war, so it didn't really matter. And the Confederates came around, did their thing, and uh, attempted to, uh, well, Arizona was brought into the Confederacy as a slave state. That did it. Slave territory. Slave territory, rather. Thank you. Uh, And that didn't last all all that long because the California column came from California and drove the rebels out back to Texas. So that was the uh, the short lived. um, They uh, did that in 2020 as well. It is indeed. (laughs) And we're doing it to Californians now. Anywho, um, you know that in in 19 oops 1910. They almost re- reunited the territory, but they were going to call it Arizona Territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. I, I thought it was interesting that they almost named it, uh, the proposed names, one of them for the state was uh, Arizuma. <laughs> and uh, the reason they didn't, cha- they didn't choose that is because nobody wanted to say they had a case of Arizuma's revenge. <laughs> 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 yeah, oh, I know where we're going. Good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, hey, you invited me. It's your yeah. fault. <laughs> well, he did. I didn't. I, well, okay. I had nothing to do with it. I was this. talking, looking at him. Oh, I, know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, well. We blame everything on him anyway. Well, we do. Any, yeah, yeah right. see, that's that's it. Now, the, the issue was with Arizona. Uh, they didn't want, nobody, Washington did not want this territory to become a state. Simple reason lawlessness that was all over the place in in specifically in southern arizona part it's still, still also, true well, well go ahead bruce i mean charles <laughs> i got damn <laughs> they look so I much like bruce ash on my I mind know. thanks I know. george hey <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, bob yeah <laughs> hi frank anyway i you can call me ray it's di- okay it's still lawless what, what was yeah. what was your question <laughs> i don't remember no i don't either um, the, the the fact that arizona did not get in as quickly as it wanted to was because of the lawlessness and that was uh, uh, the direct well to to combat that the arizona rangers were formed let me mm-hmm. let me address this to charles here because I'm of a different opinion. I think that the, one of the main reasons is because Arizona was very much a democratic 
territory, mm-hmm. and the powers in Washington were very much Republican, and that was the main problem. Well, it was in the Progressive Era. Yeah, and the and the um, in fact, in 1912, Roosevelt, I believe, ran for the third time mm-hmm. on the Progressive ticket. The Bull Moose, uh, he, the Bull Moose Party, right? Exactly, and he was, by the way, a friend of my grandfather's. Oh, really? And, yeah, and so the um, sent my dad a wonderful telegram, or sent my grandfather a wonderful telegram when my dad was born. But anyway, nice. Um, the one of the things that Arizona had, the, the reason it didn't get in on the first two tries was because we had uh, recall and referendum, mm-hmm. and uh, especially recall of judges in our Constitution. Yeah. And they that didn't had, like that. Yeah, they didn't like And so that had to be removed from the Constitution. And the first amendment to Arizona's Constitution in 1915 was to add recall and referendum. I think that's yeah. great. I, I think am. It was great. a genuine middle finger at the, at yeah, the federal yeah. government, and Arizona's been good at that. Speaking yeah. of uh, uh, the con- well, state you know, Constitution, hang, oh, hang on a second. Speaking huh. of the uh, state Constitution, Article 3, Declaration of Rights, mm-hmm. Section 2 says? It's actually Article 2. You said Article 3. It's actually uh, Article oh, 2. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread it's that. It's Article, Article two, 2, Section 2 says that all power yes. is inherent in the people, and uh, the governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, and that the purpose of government is to protect the, uh, individual, the, the, the rights of the individual. That is exactly right. Yeah, and I'm not looking at it. I, no, no, I can't even not. get it to come up on my phone. No, how many times phone. have you have you recited that though? Probably you, oh, numerous hundreds, hundreds times. Hundreds. In fact, I'm I, I've got an order in for printing up cards that say on the face what is the stated purpose of government in Arizona, right. and the backside has Article Two, Section Two printed verbatim. Uh, I've heard you say that on yeah, your show. So and it, yeah. it's it's. It's it's the litmus test question for anybody wishing to become the hired help in elective office. Which I think is great that you ask these uh, wannabe politicians that, and then they squirm when they can't answer it. You know who answered it correctly? Jonathan Rothschild. That does not surprise me. I inter- well, he's a lawyer, and he might know these things. But he's also kind of a rights-oriented guy, yeah. although I may disagree with him. I do yeah. disagree with him politically. Yeah, but he's a smart guy, and he's also a very, he also listens. That's one thing I like about yeah. him. I took a class at the University of Arizona because the law school has these classes that are open to the public. And so I enroll in them. And he was one of the teachers, and he looked at me and said, what the something or other are you doing in here? <laughs> they let this he in says, my class? <laughs> he, says, he says, tell me you're not about to become a lawyer. And I said, no, no danger of metastasis, sir. <laughs> you know, one of the interesting things I think, you know, and it's kind of getting off the topic, but on the topic, uh-huh. one of our governors uh-huh. was the first Republican to run for president. One of our governors was the for who? Fremont. John C.? John C. Oh, I, I thought Fremont was a Texan. No. But he was appointed governor to Arizona. Yeah. Oh, and, so he had, and, and the people in Arizona called him the New York governor because he spent more time in New York than he did in Arizona. Well, maybe he had a girlfriend. Yeah, well, he did. You never this know. This is Fremont. Yeah, right. <laughs> he may have had a girlfriend, too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, maybe she was living in Arizona. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Well, let me see. I forgot where I was. That was before from. boyfriends were in vogue for them. Yeah. Well, they were, they, you know, it was... <laughs> Mistresses were okay. Boyfriends were you know, yeah, no, we're no, next. No, no. We no, no. We won't go there. No, it, it took another hundred years to bring that in. <laughs> <laughs> I just is I, that an amendment? I don't know. It's, uh, don't it, ask me. It's just interesting that there was so much animosity in in uh, Washington about this particular territory, and that they did not want to have anything to do with it. You know, it 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 reminds me. The story of the Conch Republic in the Florida Keys when uh, all... You're still a citizen of that. I am, yes. Retired general of the Army. Um, And when the federal government blocked the only way into and out of the Florida Keys, there was no relief. that We sought relief from the federal government, and they said, go pound sand. And so we seceded and formed the Conch Republic. And, uh, you know... We're still, this was 1982, and it's still going strong. <laughs> you yeah, want to treat us like a third world yeah. country? We'll be one. You know, I think one of the interesting things is, you know, we, everybody knows that, you know, we have a U.S. Constitution. 
A lot of people, it's amazing the number of people that don't know that all 13 colonies had a constitution and every state has a constitution. Well, you kind of have to. And the colonies' constitutions preceded the United yeah. States Constitution. In fact, some of the language drawn from uh, from those constitutions found its way into the uh, into the United States Constitution. And without laying them next to each other, I, I couldn't recite verbatim. Yeah. But some of the language from, for instance, the Virginia Declaration of Rights came into the United States Bill of Rights. Yeah. And you know, and then you've also got the Iroquois Compact, which mm-hmm. was influenced uh, Jefferson and I think Adams, and I don't know if he did it in Monroe or not. But I don't know. I haven't studied it enough. That's yeah. not something I'm knowledgeable about. Yeah. Not important. Todd, you got anything you want to throw in there? Well, I have a lot. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm some first of all in in somewhat of awe of your breadth of knowledge. Not to mention. You're being as articulate as you are. I'm not surprised if you're coming on the show uh, being invited by Harry because uh, Harry does not suffer fools, uh, but only drunks. Well, he has me uh, which here. Is how, which is how I got in. Mm-hmm. Um, but And why we took a train trip together. Mm. Um, but if, and I, and I know I'm going to be unfair here and I'm going to put you on the spot, but I want your honest answer. Mm-hmm. If, if there was, if you, if you, if you woke up in the morning, and you were at the control board, mm-hmm. and you had all the controls, mm-hmm. what would the first thing you would do? Not in relation to Arizona, even though I know it's our subject of, of the hour, but in general in this country, what let's say what would the first three things you would do if you only got to do three things, but you got to do them and they couldn't be reversed? to change the tide of this country in its uh, depraved position that it's in politically and get us back on the right, shall I say, course. Repeal the 17th Amendment, the 16th Amendment, and install the presumption of reasonableness to every act that a citizen does, especially in, um, in, in competition with, its, with his government, that the default setting would be liberty. And that in order for so, government to overcome it, there would have to be some clear and present danger immediately posed to the people around that person for anything to be done to their for, for anything to be done that impeded their liberty. Could you enlighten a little bit okay. more on the on the articles that you would repeal? Yeah. The seventeenth amendment. Just, the seventeenth amendment is that. the uh, direct election of senators rather than the appointment of senators by state legislators. Mm-hmm. See, originally the reason that you yeah. have the Congress called the People's House is because it was the house that was le- elected by the peoples, by the the people, mm-hmm. uh, um, and then the the people of the states. Then you had the senators who were elected by the Senate of the states, and so what you had was a true distribution, a separation of powers enforced by the idea that senators frequently would represent more moneyed interests in a state mm-hmm. because they it took something to get them there. They had to be people of influence to get there, whereas the people, a, a person who ran for Congress could be more of the people. And that's why when the founders wrote the Constitution, they put the power of the purse in the people elected by the people, the, I should say the reprehensitives uh, <laughs> of, of the people, of the direct the direct reprehensitives yeah. of the pe- no, I didn't mispronounce that of the people, as opposed to the senators who were put there by the states. That one thing changed more in the country and did more mm-hmm. damage to the country. It made us more progressive or more democratic. When the Constitution was written to protect us against democracy, if yeah. you read Article Four, we're Section Four, yeah, it's it's a republican and not a republican party, but a republican or a more representative right. form of mm-hmm. government right. and democracy as Robert Heinlein said, is two wolves and a sheep de- uh, deciding on the lunch menu. And republicanism is is a well-armed sheep denying enforcement of the vote. Yeah. And so the idea was to distribute the power as far apart as possible. So if you did that, and then you took away the direct ability of the federal government to tax the individual, mm-hmm. because that was never the country was never intended to be that way. And what that did is it broke down the barrier very slowly, but it, it poured... It, it poured it, 
And same to you, sir. And and they it poured a, a form of like muriatic acid into the joints yeah, of freedom, where it slowly just kind of diffused into the into the mortar and dissolved it in the bricks. And so what you what you end up with is you end end, us, end up with us slowly running more and more and more into into democracy as opposed to republic republicanism. Mm-hmm. And 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 the the last thing is the default setting of liberty. That's known by the courts as the Chevron deference. Whenever there's a dispute in a court between a regulatory agency and the and, and the individual, the government agency is assumed by government by by the Supreme Court, and it's Chevron v. I can't remember when, but from uh, I, I believe the 1974. But what it in essence said was it's presumed that the regulatory agency has is is has the the authority to make the regulation, and the citizen has the burden of proof to prove that it that reg, said regulation is somehow no, not just detrimental. It's a much higher standard than that. That's it exceeds their authority mm-hmm. to do anything under the color of law. It's a very high bar mm-hmm. to, and, and of course, the regular citizen is much more ignorant than the regulatory. It's not. Just ignorance. That's the way they look the, at the it. The type though. of people, yeah, well, they may look at it that way and condescendingly so, yeah. but it's also a matter of standing. And right. that is that if you don't have an articulable damage, you don't have standing to bring a case before the court. That's why you can't sue government in most cases mm-hmm. uh, when they pass a law that's detrimental to you until you've actually been harmed by it. I think if, if you reduce it down to maybe the lowest, one of the lowest levels, it's like a landlord tenant situation it is so loaded toward the landlord winning whether and in most of the cases it has to go there is no i want to i want to judge it's arbitration without choice well the problem is is that the citizen is the landlord and the tenant has been given so much more right remember that government people in government are the truly the hired help yeah. They're the people we appoint to do the things like, for instance, you and I would have a very hard time finding, uh, 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 fielding an army if we were the generals. Because, you know, I would probably look at people who are just too fat, and you would probably look at people who are just too old. And so we I would we, put we, them both in there. Well, okay, good. Well, then maybe I mean, we, I, mean I, I believe in equal death for everybody. Okay, well, good. So you know, we'd we'd call it the ne- the necromancer army. But the point is, hey, that, yeah, that, but the point is, is that you and I together can't really effectively yeah. form a a. We could form a militia, but we couldn't really form an effective army. And so, the government is necessary to do those those seventeen things listed in Article One, Section Eight, that that we together cannot do as effectively mm-hmm. and it's supposed to only be our agent the problem is our agent has become uh, our agent has turned it around and turned and, and turned the agency against the people who appointed the agent yeah, and that's the, the whole point problem we have because when you boil all government and shut me up if i'm going too no. long right but if no. when, when you boil uh, government down to its essence all government amounts to the argument between the rights of the individual versus the rights of the group. Yep. That's all, what all government is 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 empowered to arbitrate and to serve the people. Well, or misserve as the case or, may yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. That's but what it, the, that's it, what the it, yeah. Well, is. government is supposed to be servant, not master. To, yeah. to your point, yes. And the problem is, is that the servant has, in most cases, become the master. And it is very much, you know, Frankenstein's the monster running Dr. Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and who, you know, was, wasn't was a bad guy. He just, you know, he just had too much reach. It's like AI has taken over. Yeah, we're talking. That's the 17th uh, Amendment, and then what, the other one was the 16th. Yeah, which is direct ta- taxation. Okay. Have we so, got time for that, or are we if about you, to break? No, we can talk. Okay, go for it. So right. if there's, so if, so... You you do away with those two, mm-hmm. and then the third one again was the presumption um, the presumption of liberty a, a presumption of liberty. So when those two when what year was uh, the sixteenth and seventeenth passed? The seventeenth was in nineteen seventeen. The sixteenth was in nineteen thirteen. I believe I yeah, could be they, I could be wrong. Those, I'm just you're no, looking no, for just no, no, no range. No, you're right. Here. So. When you when you see that happen, mm-hmm. what direct thing can you point to that once that those two things happened, whether it's individually and they were separate mm-hmm. uh, uh, reactions or there was one reaction 
that was extremely negative and you point to and you go, see, here's it got past and boom, here it came. Well, the negative repercussion, an example of of the negative repercussion of what I of what I propose or the negative. Yes. Well, the negative, the negative, uh, uh, the negative reaction to those two things passing. Well, what would happen is the same thing you're seeing with with the reaction to President Trump. When you when you have a, a bureaucrat, and I'm not going to call it a deep state or a big conspiracy or anything like that, it's a number of people who really are addicted to power. And what that does is it 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 devolves power down towards the ind- the things I suggest devolve power down towards the individual citizen, and anything that takes away power from an established bureaucracy and devolves it downward is something that said bureaucracy is going to see like a like a vampire sees garlic and a cross. <laughs> okay, so it's very much like a in a way the structure of a pyramid. Where the 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 ruling the ruling Mayans and 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 Aztecs stayed at the top of the pyramid and did all their uh, hoodoo voodoo, and all the people down below just got to watch it, and once in a while were unfortunately picked as one of the victims. So uh, basically, you you keep it away, you keep it centralized, and you keep it very focused and in the hands of just a very few people. But affects, but it affects everyone. Yeah, totally. and and in order to maintain the fiction that that's good for you, you have to keep people perpetually scared. Like, say, there's a uh, there's a danger of violence from the right, and that 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 the capital would, uh, is under danger of insurrection, or was under danger of insurrection, and there was a riot. But there wasn't an insurrection. Because yeah. I'll tell you how you tell the difference. In an insurrection, you don't have people posing for selfies. There you go. And so, right. go ahead. You want to take uh, a And on that note, we got to do our very first break. Our first Char- selfie? Yes, our uh, first selfie. Charles Heller is our guest. Harry Alexander, Todd Roberts, and Bunker DeFrance. It's Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. And we are talking about statehood. It'll be 109 for Arizona. That's the birthday. And that's tomorrow. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond checking stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. 777-1911. America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Watch classic Western movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net.
Outlaws on the Run. We're back here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander with you. Bunker de France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Our guest, Charles Heller of the America Armed and Free program, the Swap Shop, and um, Liberty, Liberty Watch, Watch and uh, America's, America's Fabric. Fabric. All heard on KVOI Radio, as well as and what are the KVOI.com. Com or now? Oh, whenever I get up. <laughs> no, I, no, I, what, you start at what time and what time do you Amer- finish? America's Fabric is on from 8 to 8.30, and then the other programs, Swap Shop, Liberty Watch, and America Arm and Free are on back-to-back from 10 in the morning till 1 in the afternoon, or as G. Gordon used to say, they're on seriatim. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about Arizona statehood, and uh, tomorrow the uh, – 14th is Valentine's Day, and it's also Statehood Day for Arizona. And uh, this is a great article from uh, ArizonaCentral.com here about the road to statehood. It says it was long and agonizing. No other territory wanted as long or fought as stubbornly as the pioneers of the Arizona Territory. And looking back, their determination was unquenchable. Just 28 years after becoming a territory, the residents decided the time was ripe for statehood. In 1891, they wrote a constitution, took the train to Washington to hand deliver it to Congress. Well, considering the rejection they got, one can only imagine the derisive jokes that passed around congressional offices as the Arizonans went home with their tails between their legs. Seven years later, they got even more dramatic, demonstrating with blood and guts their lives just how serious they were about statehood and what is perhaps the most heroic action to gain statehood in the history of the nation. Thousands, yes, thousands of Arizona men answered the call for a volunteer army in 1898 to fight in the nation's first overseas war in the Spanish-American War. Now, not only did Arizona have thousands more volunteers that could be taken, you were getting there, they were the very first to volunteer and became Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Mm. The Arizona troops were led by Prescott Captain William Bucky O'Neill, who was killed and whose tombstone says it all. Who would not die for a new star on the flag? Hmm. And uh, by the way, Sam Elliott played uh, Bucky O'Neill in um, the uh, was a Tom was a Tom Berenger. Yeah, Tom Berenger. Yeah, Tom Berenger. Tom Berenger. That was a very well done. My great friend, who's gone, Francesco Quinn. We're all in John Milius's movie, which he wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rough Riders. Gary Busey uh, made a great. Gary Busey made a great. And show. Brad Johnson and yep. Buck Taylor. Yep. And. Uh, Chris Knopf. And, uh, all the usual suspects. And also, the technical consultant on that film was the one and only Dan Galeasso. Yay! Yeah. Is, he, is he there? Didn't Tell have something to He's do with that? He's sitting here behind, beside me, waving. <laughs> hey, Dan! Dan. <laughs> Wave louder. <laughs> He's and he's waving back. Very good. And, uh, Very good. Yeah. So that that there were some other people in that film that I won't mention. Was that the but, wave of uh, the future? Huh? Is that the wave of the future? Yeah, well, it's the wave of the future. It's also the wave of goodbye. Um, but then again, you know, <laughs> well, the, the, uh, it, it's unfortunate that Bucky O'Neill perished. Uh, yeah. As he, seconds before he perished, he said that some they kept telling him, get down, Sergeant, get down. He said, there ain't a Spanish bullet been made that can kill me. Right. And Harry and, and I were talking dead. about that just before the we, show. We think it was German munitions. And I say it was a German bullet that killed him. Because the uh, Spanish army was carrying German mm-hmm. weaponry. Yep. And well, were- you're you're very right. You're very right there, Bunker. Absolutely. Uh, uh, but you know why why get lost in the minutia? Um, <laughs> but I agree with I you. I like minutia um, because my minu- girlfriend <laughs> because minutia tastes good in the soup. Yes, it does. <laughs> oh wait, well, that's yeah. a new note. Or the stew, or the stew, the, yeah. or the now, stew as the, it were. The first time that Washington seriously entertained the idea of admitting Arizona was back in 1903 when the chairman of the Senate Committee on Territories proposed it be combined with New Mexico and admitted as one state. They called it a jointure. And while New Mexico liked the idea, Arizona did not. Voting against it in 1906, and the uh, uh, tally was 16,265 to 3,141. Um, it's kind of like the Senate vote. Boy, it's a sure is a good thing they didn't have Dominion voting machines. No kidding, yeah. huh? <laughs> oh, no kidding. 
Yeah. And so they, Arizona's. It might might have ended up being part of Venezuela. (laughs) What do you mean, might? (laughs) Arizona's Constitutional Convention opened October 10 of 1910. It ran for 60 days, producing what was then considered either one of the most progressive constitutions of any state or socialistic and undemocratic. It did not include voting rights for women, but did include the initiative referendum and recall, including the recall of judges that President Taft had warned he would never approve. Well, some in Arizona, including its newspapers, claimed the entire effort was all for naught because of the recall. Voters loved the Constitution, passing it February 9, 1911, 12,534 to 3,920. Um, Taft did uphold his promise. He vetoed the Constitution, telling the territory, if you don't get rid of that provision, you ain't coming in. Arizona responded like an obedient child, removing the recall pay, uh, of judges and going back to the voters who approved the sanitized Constitution. And uh, so, uh, and as we know and from history, later on it got put back you in. You know, a couple Good of thing. interesting things there. You know, we were talking about Bucky O'Neill and his wife, after Bucky was killed, married Bucky's brother, so she went from Mrs. O'Neill to Mrs. O'Neill. But they both very, very active in early Arizona politics. She very much a suffragette. Uh, and the brother was in Washington when he took his life there, but he was lo- a heavy, heavy lobby for Arizona in Washington. And it just, it just, you know, it's, it's so interesting because you talk about that. Uh, one of the topics of for Arizona to come in, and the locals voted on it. Said no, we don't. No women vote. No women vote. After the constitu- after they became a state in November the same year, uh, women could vote in Arizona. Well, Arizona, they were hoping to be admitted on February 12, which would have been Lincoln's birthday, um, but uh, Taft was uh, busy and didn't sign uh, until uh, Valentine's Day. Which is just as well, because now we'd have to celebrate it on President's Day and Lincoln's birthday. It's also Iceberg Day for the Titanic. Yes, that that (laughs) it is, yes. uh, I'm not trying to be be mean or difficult, but... Was it Taft or Grover Cleveland who got stuck in the bathtub? Uh, that was Taft. Okay. It, Taft was well, well over three hundred. I was going to say maybe he was. He didn't. He didn't have the time <laughs> to sign it because he was stuck in the bathtub. <laughs> Just don't put your toe in the faucet to stop the drip. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, well, that's not where he got stuck. New Mexico <laughs> was admitted as the forty seventh state January sixth of nineteen twelve, and uh, Arizona, of course, the forty eighth. That was a fine mess too. Yeah. Yeah, my, I was, have a was my dad's birthday, you, Charles. January 12, mm-hmm. 1912. I have a question for you. Yeah. The constitutional law is uh, higher than statute law. Right. And it makes it makes sense, but could you explain why and how the two work and why there is that separation? Well, the Constitution is sort of the skeleton of what government is based on, and the laws of the states and of the federal government are more the flesh and the muscle of 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 government because obviously a skeleton alone cannot cannot function it needs the support of the laws in other words the constitution well the so-called law of the land is doesn't exist in a vacuum it's not just the right. constitution because most things in the constitution are not self-enforcing and that is why congress has the authority to it's called the necessary and proper laws to pass all laws necessary and proper to the enforcement of the constitution and what you're supposed to have is laws that are not repugnant to the uh, to the constitution itself in other words laws that enforce the purpose, the original intent of of the Constitution rather than the than, than work against it. Like for instance, a lot of anti discrimination laws, especially anti discrimination not not anti discrimination laws against people based on their race, but anti discrimination laws that get taken to extreme things like for instance uh, uh, refusing service to someone based on not wanting to support their sexual preference mm-hmm. okay i don't i'm I want to be very clear i don 't care what anybody does as long as they don 't do it in public and scare the horses, but the difference is is when you enforce that 
upon someone who doesn't believe in it, like the wedding cake thing, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. things yeah. like that. That's where you take discrimination to an absurd point of view right. and where you exceed the, the bounds of, of the Constitution. Look, this is 2021. Nobody cares who you love. Nobody cares what color you are anymore. Uh, and, and, and discrimination against people is based on their, their, their ethnicity or their religion is illegal, and I'm glad it is. At the same time, if you don't want to serve somebody because you don't support how they act, right. not who they are, but how they act, right. that's that's a matter of your right of conscience, and that exceeds government's authority. But some parts of the the, the hard left wants to force those acceptance of those behaviors down your uh, down your throat. This is why the the little sisters of the poor sued and won right. about not having to provide abortion services mm-hmm. as part of their health care. And, and you know, part of their beliefs is right. Exactly. All right, we got to do our next commercial break here. Rather spirited discussion, I think, about Arizona statehood. It's a, a good one too. Without spirits, w- without the yeah, without our spirits. Yeah, uh, that's nuts. Except the dog. <laughs> our guest is Charles Heller, Dry Gulch Whiskey Company. There or something, you go. You know. Yeah, I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker to France is here. Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. We're going to be back with much more of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West right after these important messages. Stay tuned. When looking for a property management company, here are some things you should consider. How long has the company been in business? What types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the USS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. First, contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at paulashmanagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company, property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 skeet fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Hi everyone, it's Susan McRae and welcome to Chaparral Roundup. As you know, I've postponed the March event to October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd so we can all relax, have a great time with great dinners, a great lunch at the White Stallion Ranch, Q&A panels, screenings of a couple of our favorite High Chaparral shows, the documentary of Kent McRae so we can honor him during his favorite reunion. And we have a great silent auction to benefit the Robert F. Hoy and Kiva Hoy charity at the Tucson Medical Center. If you're already registered for March, you're automatically registered for October. But if you're not, you better register by September 17th. I look forward to seeing you all, and so does Don, with his confessions of an acting cowboy. You'll have fun. See you in October for the Chaparral Roundup at Lodge on the Desert in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, this is Robert Fuller, uh, Jess Harper from Laramie, and we're listening to the Voices of the West. This is the Voices of the West. back on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. Our guest is Charles Heller of KVOI Radio fame. 
and uh, doing a ton of programs over there. We're talking about Arizona statehood, and uh, which our birthday is tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I tell you what, the celebration that they had, uh, according to this article, was rather epic. Uh, President Taft signed the official papers in Washington at 10.23 a.m. on that Wednesday. A telegraph key brought home the message. Bisbee set off a stack of 48 sticks of dynamite, while in Globe, that magic number came from a cannon. In Tucson, sirens at the waterworks announced the news, while the U of A ROTC cadets executed drills. Up in Prescott, they raised drills. Up in Prescott, they raised a toast. That was, shot Harry, off. That was Harry Drills. Was yeah. the guy's name? Yeah. 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 In <laughs> Prescott, they raised a toast and shot off pistols on Whiskey Row. Well, they while, do that every night. I know, right? What, what else is new? Uh, while Arizona-born boys and girls helped plant a native white oak in the town plaza. Up in Phoenix, George W. P. Hunt walked down from oh, his George downtown Hunt. hotel to the state capitol, sworn in as. The state's first governor, acclaimed orator William Jennings Bryan, spoke for two hours at the Capitol ceremonies. That must have been something to hear. That's mm-hmm. when that's when speakers wow. were speakers. Yep. And a huge parade included virtually every patriotic and fraternal organization in the state. A cannonade of forty-eight howitzers on City Hall Plaza was so loud it unsettled horses and broke windows and was halted at thirty-eight. <laughs> And uh, not to mention the pigeons. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they're probably still cleaning up the mess. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And, <laughs> so that that that's that's what happened uh, uh, for Statehood Day. Well, that was a real um, hoot nanny. But, you know, yeah, big was. doings, yeah. party until the cows come home. Well, tell us about the Arizona's Declaration of Rights. Declaration of Rights. Yeah, as opposed to the U.S. Bill of Rights. I don't think we have any, do we? No, we have. Arizona handles rights differently than it's it's more specific. Like, let, instead of going through all the Declaration of Rights, let me go through one, okay? Yeah. Let me talk about the right to keep and bear arms because it's something I'm familiar oh, with. Oh, yes. Right? Good. And, and it's Article 2, Section 26 of Arizona's Constitution. And what it says is, is that the right of the individual citizen to bear arms in defense of themselves or the state shall not be impaired. It doesn't say infringed. It says impaired. However, no law shall, be, uh, shall issue forth as to authorize the keeping of an armed body of men. In other words, that was basically aimed at the railroads so that they didn't have a, a basically a armed private police. Uh, armed police. Well, not, not armed police, Ar- but, yeah, but a, a private army. A, a private army mm-hmm. to suppress riots. Su- yeah, well, no, that was it different. Was it, it was used as a private army. But what they were saying is, is they couldn't have – it's not that they couldn't have security. It's that they couldn't uh, employ a private militia to quash, say, a, a, a strike or something. Yeah, a strike. A strike. A strike yeah. And so um, – it, it, right, and it it didn't it didn't so much say that you couldn't have private security. It just says you couldn't keep an armed body of men. Like for instance, like function a, as it, yeah yeah it, no law. It, it doesn't function under state law. You can do that, but there's no function of state law that that that. The, that does that that yeah. that causes that creates an armed body of men, or that gives the state gives you authorization to do that. Right. Well, no, the state can do it, but it says, but no law shall authorize okay. a, 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 a private militia. In other words, and so, um, and what that says is, is that it, because the Arizona version of the Second Amendment talks about the individual citizen, not the. It doesn't say. Uh, um, a well-regulated militia being necessary to, to a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. In, in other words, it doesn't put the preferatory clause first. It says the right of the individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired. And over the years, the courts have not upheld that very well. For instance, um, uh, Arizona versus Moorman. Uh, said that the, a person carrying a gun in a fanny pack, which met the definition of the state law about concealed weapons, it was a holter, holster scabbard wholly designed uh, with the idea of carrying a gun, it said that it, that the law didn't mean what it said. The, the the Supreme Court said that it was intended to be a concealed weapon, therefore it was a concealed weapon, even though it met the definition of the law. Mm-hmm. And you, you could see the fanny pack, it says, which is wholly or partially visible or carried as luggage. And the court just absolutely inverted the intent of the law 
yeah. and, uh, and, and declared that concealed weapons were illegal, and that's part of what we used in order to get the Arizona concealed weapons permit. How, do you, how would you rate Arizona's constitution versus other states' constitutions? Harry, I, 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 I know you haven't studied that much, but I know that you're a very smart man and have studied a lot. <laughs> I, I'm really not that... Um, They're pretty varied. They're very some are very draconian. Yeah, some of them. Most of the state constitutions have changed a lot over the years. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of the state constitutions are original. For instance, Arizona's is fairly original. Uh, ours was based on the state of Washington, which was incorporated mm-hmm. in eighteen ninety nine, right? And largely similar in in constitution to it. At the same time, I haven't studied line for line and word for word, other states' constitutions. I will tell you this. I believe there were originally eight states that did not have right to keep and bear arms provisions in their state law. Kansas is about to install one. This next season it will have one, and it's one of only two or three states left that don't have a right to keep and bear arms in them. Hmm. Two states have got the right to to secession built into them. One is Texas, and you would be surprised what the other one is. Um, probably. Massachusetts. <laughs> now, Massachusetts... surprised me, because that's kind of, kind of the, where a lot of the original freedoms came from. Right, yeah, well, they, they been, were considered the hotheads at yeah, the time, well, and before knocked, South Carolina. And, and they've the, been knocked down right. and knocked back to, uh, over the years. Right. Uh, the, the first congressman from Arizona was none other than Carl Hayden. Longest serving, well, at the time, he was the longest serving uh, Congress critter. Uh, Congress critter? Congress critter from mm-hmm. ni- 1912 up to 1969, I think. Was it that long? I believe so. And uh, he retired, oh. maybe he retired in 69. Um, but he, he was a senator from 25 up to the time he retired. And his big claim to fame is that boondoggle that we call the Central Arizona Project. Hmm. Oh, here we go. When Arizona became a state in 1912, Carl Hayden was elected to the United States House of Representatives and became one of Arizona's first congressmen. He was reelected to the House until 1927 when he ran for Senate. There he remained as America's Arizona's senior senator until his retirement in 1969. Together, Hayden served 57 years in Congress, the longest continued record of congressional service in United States history. It says, and though he rarely gave speeches and shied away from publicity, Hayden was highly influential in Congress and was known as Arizona's Democratic Workhouse. Well, if you wanted to get something done uh, because of his leadership position in the Senate, uh, you had to have his backing. And his first speech on the House floor, he was um, not ridiculed, but basically told, hey, if you make speeches, you ain't going far. You got to do some work. And so he learned real fast that uh, you shut up and you do the work. But uh, the, the, the boondoggle of the Central Arizona Project, um, the idea was to bring Colorado River water to uh, farms. <laughs> and, uh, well, and Tucson's water pipes. And we know, we, we know we, anyone who's been around here for a long, long time knows the result of that idiotic project. <laughs> well, it's interesting who replaced Carl Hayden. Barry Goldwater. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, Arizona law as I understand in a way, is based on British law, early law, based on British law and Spanish law. And our water laws are, are pretty much based on that, and also our mining laws. Hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't comment at all on mining laws. I only know of one. Yeah. And it has to do with trespassing of a mining claim, but that's about the only mining law I know. Yeah, you get well, shot you know if you do that. that. <laughs> you get shot if you it's, do it. It's, it's <laughs> trespassing in the first degree. Okay. That's, that's, that's the only thing I know. <laughs> How else can you trespass? Well, in well the there's second. many degrees. There's three degrees there's of trespassing. The intent? No, uh, there's three degrees of trespassing on open land where there's a sign on uh, a fenced res- a uh, non-commercial or a non-residential or fenced commercial property or mm-hmm. on a residence that's class 3 2 and 1 okay, like trespassing like different degrees of misdemeanors yes and on that note we're going to finish it up here and take our final break you're in tune with Abel Franzi's Voices of the West I'm Harry Alexander Bunker DeFrance is here so is Todd Roberts our guest is 
Charles Heller will be back. Cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Imus Wilkinson Investments, 777-1911, is a unique investment management firm. They pay little attention to where the market indicators are because smart investment management goes way beyond check and stock exchanges. They are very good at managing all types of investment based on client expectations. They build relationships, and they want clients, not customers. My family is proudly included among them, and they'll help you, as they did us, design a portfolio that achieves what you want when you need it. Imus Wilkinson Investments, they're really good at what they do. Hello, I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats, but did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right, it's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. Back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. A little bit of a sense of pi- pioneers there. I thought so. The real old sense of the pioneers. I think that had Leonard Sly in it. It certainly did. I there, recognize there, one of those there's voices. A, there's a movie out, yeah. uh, a Sinatra movie, where uh, uh, a young Leonard Sly is uh, in the uh, Sons of the Pioneers. Mm. The big show. Gene made him sing. And he, he did. Pulled a gun on him. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we're so, talking. Go ahead. Charles, mm-hmm. um, I, I hate to say this again to you. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. <laughs> um, you obviously knew our good friend, Emil Franzi. Very well. Um, and um, I would love to have you indulge us and tell us one or however many Emil stories you'd like to share. That yeah, that would be cool. Or shine some light <laughs> on I, a part I, of Emil I, that we don't know. I have my, f- rep, my relationship with Emil was completely different than Harry's was and or uh, 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 Bunker's was. So, you know, he'd call me up, you know, uh, sometimes at 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> hey, Tiger, what are you doing? That's what Listen, he'd always say. I just yeah. read this thing, and he'd tell me. And then tw- the conversation would last uh, a minute, and he'd hang up. 
Yeah. Other times the conversation will last an hour. Mm-hmm. So I, I I love him so much and I miss him so much that mm-hmm. I am I am trying to shall I say mine from you some more Emil. I'll tell uh, you my my favorite Emil Franzi story. At one point on KTKT, John C was right, John C Scott was right after Emil Franzi. They had two programs back to back. And John had a tendency to get a lot of political clients in the political season and run tons and tons of political ads. And at one point, John yes. cor- uh, Emil cornered John in the hallway and said, John, you're running so many beep ads, <laughs> ads in your show that you're running off my audience. And John looked at him and said, well, Emil, when you have the inventory, you've got to run the inventory. You've got to maintain revenue. And uh, and. Emil looked at him and said, Revenue, schnevenue, John, you're running off my audience. And uh, he goes, Well, Emil, I've got the contracts. i got to play the spots. And Emil said, John, just exactly how many beep, uh, uh, 60, 60 second spots is too many for a 60 minute show. And John looks at him right in the eye and goes, 61. <laughs> <laughs> they were good friends. That sounds like you, you. And let me tell you the rest of that story, okay? So I was asked to tell the story again, and John C. is still on KVOI. And I was asked to tell it in a sales conference. Oh, no. Okay? And, and I told that story in front of John, except when I got to the part where he goes, 61. <laughs> I just pointed to him like the cue mark of a producer, and he said it in his own voice. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, and then and, and, and it was just it was precious. John and Amel were on opposite sides of the political aisle, but they were really good friends. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another thing about Amel that a lot of people in the political world they are so entrenched in their political view mm-hmm. that they have no truck with somebody on the other side. People on both sides of the aisle loved Emil. Right, that's very yeah. true. And in fact, he was yeah. good friends with Sharon Bronson, who I'm sure yeah. couldn't yeah, have agreed with much, except for, uh, uh, NRA. About, uh, yeah, except for gun rights stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. a member of the NRA, the only Democrat he knew. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only yeah. good Democrat he ever knew. No, no, no. Well, sometime when I, when I come to... Tucson and Harry and I and Bunker go out. You have to come with us, Charles, <laughs> and I will tell you the story of sitting in the Speaker of the House's office of the state of California, <laughs> who, by the way, was a Democrat yeah. and mm-hmm. was an old friend of mine. And the entire adventure, it mm-hmm. was somewhere between Evil a circus and being on the safari mm-hmm. without guns or guides. <laughs> and That's uh, a good story. Bun- uh, uh, Amel was just... Uh, he was in rare form that day. Mm-hmm. Rare form. What do you got coming up on the show? Oh, that's so long from now. I know. Uh, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, at uh, 11 o'clock, I have... Um, <laughs> the overall Monday, which is the sinking of the mains. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, garbanzo beans. Tom DeWeese okay. is his name, and he's got uh, um, American Policy Center, and he's talking about uh, a lot of the Agenda 21 type stuff. And then at uh, uh, at 12 p.m., I have Lori Roman with the American Civil Rights Union, but she's going to be talking about specific threats to the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, vis-a-vis the uh, O'Biden Unist administration. So that's going to be good. Yeah, and well, it's, it should. And then Swap Shop is going to be. I'm going to have Mary uh, Wilson songs from the Supremes. <laughs> nice, nice. That's going to be uh-huh. the music there because uh-huh. she just passed away. Yeah, yeah. Um, recently, I interviewed Dina Martin, who is Dean Martin's I daughter. I doubled her in a movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Her? Yeah. yeah. How'd you do that? Well, Never mind, do, I probably shouldn't do, ask. He used to do a lot of that back in those days, yeah. and also I was a lot, lot slimmer, too. Oh, yeah, but you did like... I'd more need, svelte. You didn't need falsies, you know, oh, I no, no, I was, no, I was, I was, I was, I was the only one who it, was it, caught it on film been, in a wig, a dress, and hang heels. You know, nobody oh, okay, there. okay. Well, you know, when I asked Dina Martin, I, I got most of the way through the interview, and I said, I'm dying to ask you this, Do any, does anyone ever sing with you? And she says... Sure, people ask me that all the time. I said, she said, would you like to sing with me, Charles? I said, I would just love to, but I was trying not to ask because I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to abuse my position. So we sang the first line of Everybody Loves Somebody Sometime together <laughs> and the as a duet. And then I said, I have an ask. 
I said, feel free to say no. I wonder if you'd do that and change the word to swap shop. And she sang a liner for me. Hi, this is Dina Martin, and everybody needs some swap shop sometime. (laughs) And she sang that, and it's a liner on my show. It's in my – I've got got Charlie Daniels saying I want a fiddle, a gold fiddle in a a contest. And Dennis Weaver. And Dennis Weaver uh, talking about the Liberty uh, Watch. And Marianne, Don Wells. Uh, Don Wells has got a liner on the program. And uh, so does uh, Harry Truman starts the program with "We dedicate this Sunday to America Armed and Free." And yeah. Harry Truman's yeah. voice. I tell you, that was That's the hardest cool. ask. So yeah, right. So one of one of Charles's other secret passions is submarines. What's the latest sub that you visited? I haven't in a long, long time. I need to. Okay. Uh, there's two I haven't visited: the um, the barbell class, no, the 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 tang class. Uh, USS Blueback in okay. the, in, uh, in Portland, and I haven't been able to get the, – the boat's been closed, and I haven't wanted to go that far. Okay. And the other one is in Rochester, and uh, it's the uh, – not the Kavala. That's in Texas. I've been to all except those two, and I also haven't been to the Holland, which is the first submarine. Mm-hmm. That's in a park in New Jersey, and I have not been to the um, – not been inside. You can't go inside the Holland but I've been inside. Or I have not been inside the one. The Marlin. The Marlin is up on dry land in a park just in in uh, Omaha, okay. just off the river there in in Omaha. Have Charles, you been to the now, Charles? Have I've you been, been to the uh, at at Pearl Harbor? They don't yeah. have the subs there, but they have a a beautiful they tombstone have, they memorial have, for every one of them. They do have the, out of Pearl Harbor. They do have one of that class, which is the two the two eighty seven yes. boat. They have right. the uh, not the Bacal, the not the Bakuna, but the Bofin. Yeah. And yes, I've been through the Bofin. Yes. I have a story, but we don't have time. Do you? Uh, My mother and I the Mexican Museum in Tijuana for the Mexican Adobe submarine. No. <laughs> Guys, we're out of time. Charles, thank you so much. One last thing, there, Charles. Did you read Blind Man's Bluff? Uh, yes, and I've interviewed Tommy Cox, who sings the music. Wow. We go to sea wow. on diesel boats. They call us Bubblehead. <laughs> Our blood is laced with diesel smoke. We're sailors to the end. Our diesels wind through the salty brine until we take her deep. Then we turn her loose on battery juice, and we all go to sleep. Diesel boats forever. <laughs> Hear the diving klaxon sound. Ooh. All right. What a perfect way that's, to end this that's show. That's all the time we've got. Charles, thank you so much. Appreciate you coming uh, down here. Todd, thank perfect. you so much. Bunker, thank you uh, thank so you much. Gentlemen. And that's it for this edition of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Oh, 78, 79, and 80. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. 